Hey, everybody, and welcome to Ben and Nate's Questions That We Ask People on the Internet. I'm one half of your host, Nate Fay. I'm a licensed massage therapist with over 20 years of private practice. I'm also an osteopath, as well as a master myoskeletal therapist. And when I'm not in my private practice, I'm on the road presenting for Eric Dolan and the Freedom from Pain Institute. Hey everyone, I am the other half of your co-host, Ben Stone. I've been a licensed massage therapist for over 20 years. I have a wide range of experience in the massage world from working as an employee to owning my own massage practice where we employed several massage therapists. I hold the title of Master Myoskeletal Therapist and I value learning above all else. And that's why I love making this show with Nate. And hey, Nate, we have a disclaimer alert. Disclaimer alert, disclaimer alert. The opinions and views shared on the Nate and Ben show are our own and do not represent the opinions of any other person or organization that we may be affiliated with, work for, or contract with. The main purpose of this show is for entertainment and education, and if you feel that you are entertained or educated in any way, please let us know. Hey guys, it's good to be back on episode 13. And this week we're going to be talking about how does massage work and what do we think works about massage. But before we get into the burning question of the week, we have a very special guest for episode 13. And this is our good friend, Jeremy Cowan, joining us from sunny California. Well, not today. Yay. <laughs> So uh, we'll we'll get to Jeremy in a couple minutes, but uh, before before we talk all great things about Jeremy in California, hey Ben, how's it going, buddy? Hey Nate, I got a question for you. Already? Already. Well, how about what's what's new with you? What's been going good in your world uh, the last week? Well, as we're speaking now, I just got back. We had high school orientation for my 14-year-old son, which is hard to believe. And uh, man, it's been a great week. It's been a great week in the treatment room. So a lot of great cases over the past week. So that's always exciting, keeping me fresh. And um, it's going to be almost 60 degrees in Connecticut this weekend. So all good news. That's fantastic. How about you, buddy? Oh, man, I'm loving the weather. The sun's been out this last week, so I've been able to just get out and enjoy the sun. And hey, Jeremy, we have a question <laughs> for you, buddy. Tell us okay. the best thing. Tell us the best thing about your week. The best thing about my week. Oh, I don't know. I, I would have to say having a full schedule. And, you know, right now here in California, we're having all the rain, which I love. Um, so it's it's uh, downpour. Um, a few cancellations because most Californians are, you know, don't know how to deal with the rain. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been a full week. Um, started dog training with my my dogs. So that's always good to get them un, uh, behaved and under control. So that's been my week. Love it. Love yeah. it. So Jeremy, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, tell us a little bit uh, where you're from, how long you've been practiced, your preferred style of body work. Okay. And um, anything else that you think our uh, viewers should know? Well, my name is Jeremy. Um, I actually became a massage therapist back in 1989. I was at a college that did a lot of body work and a lot of healing work, trying to get people to stop smoking, a lot of hot and cold treatments, a lot of holistic stuff. And I had a massage and I just fell in love with it. And so I got certified in that. Um, it's actually the help pay my way through college. I was going to be, of all things, uh, my first, I think my first major was singing and piano. And then I went journalism and then finally into physical therapy and became a physical therapist assistant. Did massage and body work off and on, but mostly did physical therapy. Took a break for a while, dabbled in some real estate, and then went back into physical therapy again. Absolutely hated it. Started doing body work again and had my own physical therapy practice for a while. We specialized in vestibular rehab 
Um, so inner ear disorders like vertigo, the BPPV, um, also as, as well as neurological conditions like Parkinson's um, and anything to do with like movement disorders. A few years ago, me and my business partner kind of had a disagreement as to how to run the business and he bought me out and I ended up doing body work full time. I ended up going and taking some classwork in fascial stretch therapy known as FST, which led me into finding actually the MMT. And I just finished that last year. Um, and so that is the basis actually of my practice now is the FST and the, and the myoskeletal alignment work. Um, and since doing that, I haven't even regretted ever leaving physical therapy. I'm busier and I'm making more money and I absolutely love it being independent and seeing greater progress than what we were seeing even in physical therapy. So that's kind of my journey for the last, oh my gosh, almost 30 years now in a nutshell, the Reader's Digest version, if you will. Love it. And I, I want to say too that, um, Jeremy, I think I met you in Oklahoma first and then Costa Rica. That is correct. When you finished up, uh, when you finished up your MMT, uh-huh. and uh, Jeremy's a extremely talented mm-hmm. therapist and has a has a fantastic Instagram page that we'll put up uh, at some point in this in this episode. And Jeremy uh, puts out a lot of nice technique videos that I enjoy viewing myself. So it's great to have you here, buddy. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Glad to be here with with a with a career that long. What's um what's what's one piece of advice that you can give to uh any massage therapist starting out? Oh, I get asked that quite a bit. Um, listen, I think that would be the, listen to your clients. They know themselves better than you think you do. Um, I kind of have to remind myself that it's so easy to say, or, to, or not to say, but to think in your own head, oh, I have this technique. I have this training. I can do this. I can do this for the shoulder. I can do this for the back. I can do this for the hip. And you go in there and you start and they're like, nah, no, that's no, that's not it. That's not it. You know, I need something else. And if you just listen to them and listen to the body, it actually will guide you. You know, it's easy for us to let our egos get in the way. It's like, oh, I know this. I know that. So yeah, just listen to your clients. Listen to them really well. Look them in the eye when you're listening to them as well. Be engaged. I counted it up, Nate. And in this little group here, we have over 70 years of experience just sitting right here. I'm getting a call right now. It's from the nursing home. (laughs) (laughs) I think what's actually awesome too, and I say this time and time again, that I'll never forget when I enrolled into massage school, They told me plan on 10 years in this field and then you'll burn out and that'll be the end of it. So I love hearing stories like yours. I'm pushing 18 years. Ben's pushing over 20. You're over 30. I think it's, uh, I think it's awesome. And, and, and listening is something Ben and I talk about on almost every podcast, but you know, certainly for new therapists, man, you can have a long, full career. There's plenty of longevity, longevity in this career. Absolutely. Well, just like there is in mo- in most, like even doctors, there's so many areas to specialize in too. You know, it's not just sweetest massage. And so there's so much more to do. And if you find that niche where you're happy, where you love it, you know, I have, I know several people, all they do is pregnancy massage. That's what they love to do. Not my, not me. I don't, I don't have a desire to do that. I think that's a great point too, Ben and, uh, and Jeremy. And with that being said, you know, since you talked about a lot of different modalities just then. I think that's a nice leeway into our question this week. (laughs) I see where you're going there. Yeah. Did you like that? That was perfect. We didn't even plan that. So Ben, what's the question this week, baby? I've got the question. I'm going to read it straight off of the internet because this is how we posed it to all of you out there listening and watching and doing all the things that you do interacting. Uh, Here's the question. What does massage do? 
Think about this. If your client or you were asked on a test to explain what your work does, how would you explain it? And so that's the question. And you know, I always like to just ask the first question to you, Nate. Why did you decide to ask this question? What's the reason behind it? And I've been thinking about this question for the last, you know, since you since you posed it. It's a very vague question. And I yes. love how you posed it. And <laughs> I think we're going to have a great discussion about this. Um, so tell me, why'd you pick this question? Two reasons. One, I certainly have to give credit to you, Ben, because, um, you know, it's not just me formulating these questions and you had sent me a list of possible questions. And I know that you've been asking questions on the internet for a long time yourself. And man, this this one just sort of hit my soul. And the reason it uh, hit hit hard with me is I got to thinking about, you know, when I went to massage school 20 years ago, and I thought coming out of that, I remember leaving there going, I have all these techniques, I have a good foundation of anatomy, and physiology and a little bit of pathology. And but what am I actually doing? What do these techniques really do? It's, you know, fast forward 20 years, the story has changed a lot. And I think it brings us to current times of what massage does, what are some of the outcomes. And it could be modality based, or it could just be the sort of stories and the narratives that have been presented probably for the last, who knows, 100 years or so. So I want to talk about that this week. And maybe we can talk about, um, you know, perhaps what we were told massage did at one point in our careers and uh, what we talked about over the years and how our own stories changed. And we got some really nice responses this week as well. I want to start off by just saying, hey, what? well, where should we start, number one? And I think uh, maybe a good place to start is defining what massage is, or at least maybe start with the book definition of what massage is and then sure. go from there. I, look, I took the uh, opportunity and I looked up the definition from the uh, State Board of Nebraska, and I have their definition of what massage is. I'll just share that with you guys real quick because it's, it's pretty short. So it says, massage therapy is the physical, mechanical, or electrical manipulation of soft tissues for the therapeutic purposes of enhancing muscle relax, for enhancing muscle relaxation, reducing stress, improving circulation, or instilling a greater sense of well-being and may include the use of oil, salt glows, heat lamps, and hydrotherapy. That's kind of the basics. I mean, I think most places you go, it's going to say massage therapy is the manipulation of soft tissues for therapeutic purposes. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah, and uh, it's it's that's cool that you looked that up, Ben, and that, that's something I didn't even think about. But yeah, certainly Connecticut's definition starts uh, starts just with that. When I first read the question, my first thought in my head was, yes. Like, what does massage do? Yes. It kind of does a lot of things. What do I as a therapist do? It might be a little bit more limited, but what does massage in itself do? The answer is yes, because it impacts everything. It's emotional, it's spiritual, it's physical, it's our circulation. You know, it impacts everything in, in my body from, you know, all the 13 different systems of our body and it impacts everything. So what does it do? Yes. <laughs> then from there you define, you know, is it more mechanical? Is it more visceral or is it more you know people approach massage so so differently some are very scientific about oh i only have to do this technique because the science behind this is so proven blah 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 and then you have your ethereal people that are like oh it's all touchy-feely and here again they see results with that but it's completely different you know and it might be more energy work and not and not a lot of hands-on but it's still an impacting the emotional or the physical or the energy of our body 
So for me, it's like the answer is yes. You just have to define how that's going to be for you. I like that, Jeremy, because there's a lot of right there's we always say there's a lot of different stories out there and it would mm-hmm. depend on who you ask. Circling back on that, um, Ben, with the with the sort of standardized definition and what Jeremy's jumping into a little bit as well, you know, should we have, you know, sort of one uh, universal definition or way that everybody explains it? Especially with how much, you know, we talk about science quite a bit in our field because, you know, the research, particularly probably over the last five or five or six years, changed tremendously. And I'll briefly say, I'll briefly say this. I mean, I remember opening up and finding this page, uh, skeptic, skeptical massage therapists and and diving into that one night. I cried for about three weeks after reading that, reading through that page. And I was walking into my treatment room thinking to myself, I don't believe in what I do anymore. And I maybe what I'm doing is all lies. This is one big lie. But I absorbed it and I swallowed some pretty hard pills and started sort of dissecting what people were saying and started thinking a little bit differently. I like how Jeremy answered the question with yes. I yeah. feel like we can end the podcast now because he answered it. We're That's done. That's it. It's we're, over. Yeah. Mic <laughs> drop. We're done. <laughs> we got some interesting answers and and um I think what was interesting about the answers that we got this week were, were that they all sort of had to do with uh you know a client or patient oriented session. So our answers this week sort of they stayed away. Uh they stayed away from perhaps what techniques do. You know, do we do this or do we do that? And a lot of people just sort of settled on one of our classic uh lines that we say in in Myoskeletal alignment technique and one of our one of our listeners wrote in and said, you know, we're changing the brain's mind about pain through and he worded it as the strategic manipulation of soft tissue, which I thought was interesting. Some people talked about bringing mindfulness to what we do. And, um, you know, I like this where they said, you know, we need four hugs a day for survival, uh, eight hugs a day for maintenance, 12 hugs a day for growth. And regardless of direction, which Jeremy was touching on earlier, regardless of what avenue of massage therapy you're in, getting our client in a mindset of healing and feeling better. So those were just a couple answers. Part of what massage does too is aligning to some degree what what your client's belief system is too. You know, if they come in and thinking that energy work is what they need, if they feel like they need deep tissue, if they feel like they need more relaxation massage, if they feel like they need scraping or cupping, part of that's part of a belief system that they have. And so trying to match that because we can't change people's belief system by a scientific approach. We can't do that. We have to find where we match that in their belief system and what we can bring to the table to further that belief and instill trust. I really like that one response on the Facebook page where the lady was like, the the hugs per day. That for me is also paramount for massage as well. It's the quality of the touch that we bring. And part of that is listening. It goes back to that for me as well. I think one reason why a lot of massage therapists don't make it is because they either don't like touching or they've run out of that energy. They don't know how to, they don't know how to take care of themselves on that front, but it's that connection and touching people that is so important. So then I'm going to throw out that question again. What does massage do? Mm -hmm. And I know we answered it with yes, which covers everything. And there's so many things that it does. I mean, I was kind of thinking about this podcast and this is going to, I'm thinking, boy, this is going to be like four hour long podcast because how, you know, we could, we could touch on everything. Just like Jeremy said, yes, it's, it's everything to everyone. I've said before, I'm a big fan of, um, 
Walt Fritz and his operator versus interactor model and how we're looking at massage as a neurological event. It's how do we connect to that other person for therapeutic purposes? I've been contemplating this question all week and all these things come up. And one of the things that I thought about was, you know, uh, manual therapists, so physical therapy, chiropractic, massage therapy, there's a difference. When you go to physical therapy, there's a reason. My back hurts, my shoulder hurts, this hurts, that hurts. If you just say, oh, I'm a, I think I need physical therapy this week. I, I'm just going to go in. So you walk into physical therapy and they're like, well, what's wrong with you? Nothing. I feel fine. I just want some physical therapy. They're going to be like, get out. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Same thing with chiropractic. You show up to chiropractic usually because something is wrong. My back hurts, my neck hurts, whatever. And then they start working on you. And then they work in a more of a prevention or maintenance type plan after that. Massage is different because you could have both ends of the spectrum. Like I feel good. I just want to get massaged to help me continue to feel good because there's something there. And if we question what does massage do, I feel like one of the best ways to get that answer is to ask the people on the table getting the massage. What do you feel like massage does? And they're going to give you the answer that I think is most helpful to that individual person. What do you think about that, Nate? Yeah, that's a, that's that's a, that's a really good mouthful. And um, kind of jumping back to that operator interactor model, we've talked about this a little bit before. It's one of my favorite models to quote. And I'll usually ask people, "Are you an operator, or with your with your clients, or are, are you an interactor?" And a simple way to another way to ask that question is, "Do you do therapy on your clients, or do you do therapy with your clients?" Changing changing one simple word there. So there's two. I'm I'm hearing two different things from both of you, and they're they're great things. So the question would be, you know, the massage therapist, the trained massage therapist, right? You've been to school, you've taken continuing education, possibly in followed a niche and stayed that way, or you've expanded out and did that, then there's your client. So we could ask our client what they think massage does. And then we can go off the narratives of what people have thought massage has done from back in the 60s and 70s from the rolfing days to perhaps things changed in the 80s, right? And there was maybe this almost renaissance period of massage therapy. And now we're kind of going into this like neo, you know, like as a musician, I always think like, like new classical, like things are just sort of changing and dissecting and dissolving and sort of being being recreated. Now there's this whole school of thought of what massage doesn't do. So maybe at one time we thought that um, we changed muscle length, we deformed fascia, you know, Ben and I talked about this on our myths podcast, you know, we Back in the day, right? One of the biggest things, right? When I went to massage school, right? Lactic acid, right? Conversations about those kind of things. You know, the thought of what massage does now is kind of back to what we're all sort of saying is kind of back to a client-centered therapy, if you will. And, and touch itself being a huge part of that. There was a great quote that I, I wrote down um, because I wanted to get it out. This is not my quote. Touch is consistent. We don't need conflicting stories. Oh, nice. I love that. Yeah, that one hit hard with me uh, in, in regards to tonight. Because every massage therapist, we all touch people. And it's very, hopefully, fairly consistent. But we all have conflicting stories. And our <laughs> clients have very conflicting stories about um, what what's being done. A client might come in one day and saying they need one thing. And so you do that. And then they come in another time and they, they need something else. I think that's one of the things that's 
that's beautiful and gives us as massage therapists freedom to be a little bit more creative because under the physical therapy model, there's always that insurance thing. You have to do X, Y, Z. You have to get goals by here. But within massage therapy, yeah, we might still set short-term and long-term goals, but somebody's like, I feel great. I just want to relax. I just, I just want your touch for an hour. Okay, get on the table. Let's go. We're not addressing anything. We're just helping them feel good. Whether they want the stretch, whether they want myoskeletal or, or you know, massage, whatever that is. But we have that freedom to just be in the moment with them. We're not really addressing anything. Yeah, I want a massage. Okay, come on in. Yeah, I love that. Um, and going back to the um, connecting with our clients. Say someone comes in for shoulder pain. Uh, they can't lift their shoulder up, you know. And how do we approach that? Are we looking at, am I working on you know, let's just call let's call the client Jane. Am I, am I working on Jane's shoulder? Am I working on the shoulder problem? Or am I working on Jane the person? Because you can't just separate out the shoulder from Jane. You've got to work with Jane on the shoulder together to come to some sort of therapeutic outcome. What does that say to you? It says just that, man. And, and, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of, do a Quentin Tarantino movie on this. So, you know, Jeremy mentioned, Jeremy mentioned COVID, right? So uh, I was shut down. Eh, I was shut down for about six weeks and they weren't really six real weeks that I was shut down. And, you know, when massage therapy got back in action, I would say, let's see, COVID probably started mid-March, March, March uh, 20th or something like that, where the official shutdown happened. It was probably like right after Memorial Day. Now, I've always had a full practice, right? There's only, I'm, we're just one person. Everybody in this uh, podcast, we're all just one person. There's only so many hours in the day and everybody out there has their own amount of clients that they like to see per day and per week, right? So there's only so many hours in a day and so many hours in a week to see so many people. And, you know, for many of us here, your schedule is booked out with your regulars, new clients are waiting X amount of time. Well, COVID, it was insane. I was starting to book out, you know, three, four months down the road, which I don't even like doing that, you know, anyway, but that's a whole different podcast. And it's, it's just since then, it peeled back a little bit finally, but I think it almost took the three full years for that to sort of peel back a little bit. But at the end of the day, back to this fundamental of what we do, people missed touch. New York Times even wrote an article about that, how massage therapy would be this huge up and, you know, sort of having this reborn effect. But back to Ben's question, you know, and back to Ben's what you talked about there. Yeah, man, it's at the end of the day, if Jane comes in with that shoulder problem, you know, I could be, we can be smarty pants and we can think about all the cool techniques and we can think about the cool assessments. Some of that, you know, Jane's going to hope for her outcome, but like Jeremy talked about, we have to listen to that story. And in order to listen, you have to start hearing different cues. What are people saying to you about their particular shoulder? Even though we answered the question, what does massage do with a big yes? One of the things that I like to say that massage does is has a very temporary neurophysiological effect on the body. Now, that's a fancy term to say that our work is potentially temporary because at the end of the day, if Jane leaves your office, Jane goes back to being her. So what happens next? So it's listening to those cues of Jane's uh, history, possibly what that person's doing during the day, doing the, during the course of their week. And we have to take those key points so that we can start working on, you know, back to that 
whole person idea to work with her. Yeah, it's like, why does her shoulder actually hurt? You know, is she carrying a baby on that side? You know, is she undergoing chemo for breast cancer? And so that shoulder's tightening up because of the chemo and radiation. You know, is she potentially being abused? Like, uh, you know, I see that periodically. I'm not going to lie. It's not always an uncomfortable situation, but it's about here again, paying attention. What what is she not telling you through her body language that you might need to address? So, so far, you know, we've talked about what massage does being, you know, power of touch. There's an element of listening in there. So with that being said, with with this portion, is somebody brought up that we're bringing body awareness to people, right? We're making them more aware of their bodies and we're making them more mm-hmm. aware of potentially solving their own issues, I had a client today come in and, uh, you know, she's had like this forearm thing going on and she comes in today and she, she solved her own problem. She's like, I'm not left-handed. I don't do anything with my left hand. She says, but it hit me. I walk my dog every day for two miles and I tie the leash around my elbow. And now he's pulling me down on the road. Well, she solved her own problem. You know, our last conversation at our last, at our last session was, you know, I want you to go out into the world and start thinking about what you're potentially doing with that arm, with that elbow, with that hand and wrist, and seeing if you can solve it yourself. And so what does massage do? Well, now I think we can add into the list, brings body awareness to people. It brings awareness to people's body. Eric talks about this a lot, right? That sort of amnesia that starts to happen, man, like, you know, and not to quote my guy, Quentin Tarantino, right? But in Kill Bill, wiggle your big toe, right? That whole scene there for those that read that. (laughs) <laughs> and she's in the truck and she gets her big toe to wiggle. Go ahead, Ben. You got something to say, my brother. We talked about this earlier. Is pain learned? And I came across something interesting, an article or maybe it was a um, video. But anyway, this psychologist was talking about learning pain. And apparently it is a thing. People can learn pain, but it's prolonged pain. So let's just let's just pick uh, plantar fasciopathy. Right. I'm not going to call it plantar fasciitis because I'm going to get fancy with my terms and call it something more general. We'll call it plantar (laughs) fasciopathy. Someone wakes up every day with this pain in their feet. And now after, let's just say three months, four months, something like that, they now start to expect that pain to happen when they get out of bed. So kind of like the whole Pavlov's dog thing, you know, it's just, they expect it to happen. So how do we break that cycle of pain? And he talked about that differently, but um, it was interesting to hear that, yes, pain can be learned. And so if pain can be learned, maybe pain can be also unlearned to some degree. So I wanna go back and talk about, um, we looked at all of the um, the input that we had on Facebook and uh, and none of it, had to talk about, you know, the things that when you type in, what does massage do into Google? Cause I did this, what does massage do? Because I was doing the research for this, for this podcast, did you know, one of the biggest things, or at least as far as the research shows, one of the biggest things that massage does is helps reduce anxiety and depression. That's where massage shines, at least in the research world. There's a lot of research that suggests that massage can help with low back pain and this and that, but you know, it's, it's not really concrete and it's just um, not that great. But it was interesting to me that not very many people really went into that realm. Like what does massage do? Oh, it helps with low back pain. It helps with this. It helps with that. What do you think about that, Jeremy? Well, I was just going to say, I think my question to all that is, yes, it does help, but is it helping because it's actually somebody's being touched? 
So it's like, you know, do we break out of pain cycles because somebody's actually being touched maybe for the first time in a quality and in a professional way, or they're just finally getting that human contact? So my, my question would be, how does that touch impact that addiction to pain or that learned pain behavior or whatever that is? Because somewhere along the line, they've learned that they get some kind of feedback either neurologically or with that dopamine fix of having that chronic pain, living in, in that victim of that. But if we're able to break out of that, how much does the quality of touch impact that learned behavior? Something else that I've been thinking about is we're, t- we're talking about this from the the point of view of the therapist. So if you type into Google, what does massage do? You are getting information from the point of view of the you know consumer of massage. We as therapists think about this whole uh, connecting with people, neurological event, all this stuff, but why is there not more information about when you type into Google, what does massage do? Why don't people see that more? What can we do? as an industry to educate people differently about how we're approaching massage now versus how we were approaching massage 20 years ago. You and I have said this countless times, you know, the stories change and it's going to change in another 20 years. And right now the story is riding on things about, you know, uh, we, we've touched on some of these points, right? Listening, huge factor in the ability of somebody to uh, get better under one's care. That's been researched uh, time and time again. And um, I just so happen to be writing a book about it right now. Three chapters <laughs> written. Yes. <laughs> so listening, right? The art of touch, the art of application, a technique, right? Or a modality, we can say too, a modality or a technique, whatever it is. So you mentioned all these modalities, Swedish massage, pregnancy massage, um, myofascial release, myoskeletal alignment technique, uh, fascial stretch therapy, any of these techniques in uh, the hands of a skilled practitioner are going to have good outcomes. And you and I, this was a podcast, this was several episodes ago. Why does your modality work? And why does my modality work? Well, if you're a skilled practitioner, and you know how to listen to people, and you know how to apply touch, and have a team-oriented atmosphere. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a big big part of it. So at the end of the day, do we lengthen muscle tissue? Do we deform fascia? Are people scared? And I don't mean us three, but are people scared to answer those questions publicly? Are they scared of being you know possibly chastised? Or are some massage therapists that maybe sat back and choose not to answer this question, are they just as confused as everybody else is about what we do? We learn all of these techniques, modalities, all these things. And then yet we talk about how massage is connecting with people. And at some point, you know, you have to apply something. So you have to go back to your training and say, well, I don't know what else to do. So I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it with you, right? We're going to do this together. You know, I find myself often falling back on, okay, I, I was trained to look for this. So I'm going to look for this. And based on this, this is what I'm going to do. I don't know if this is going to help. So I need you to help me help guide me through this as you're working with somebody. If you stop and think, why is the diet industry, you know, like like diet pills and diets, like the 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 keto diet, the the all meat diet, the vegetarian diet, all these different things, why is that so popular? And the reason is because it has helped someone. It has been effective for someone. And I think as a body worker and as a massage therapist, I don't necessarily need to be proficient in all of that. I should have a good pool of resources for those that 
want to have a specific diet, if you will, or a specific type of massage, but the more well-rounded I am in techniques and a referral system and modalities, the better able I'm able to pull from as I listen to my client and or to be able to refer out. I love what Eric Dalton said. He goes, why do we have so many techniques out there? Because they work for somebody. And it's like, you know, some people, all they want is cupping. Some people, all they want is Graston or, or IASTM. All some people want is, is sound baths. Okay. You know, that's what you want. All, some people want tuning forks and vibration on their body. Okay. You know, I can do all of that, but here again, it's, it's listening to what they want. Uh, somebody comes to my practice, right. And says, I just really need you to cut me. I just need this. And I might ask the question, okay, well, uh, why do you need that? You know, well, because, that's all I've had done over the years. Now, mm -hmm. I personally don't do cupping. So me being me, I'm going to ask the question back, you know, and Ben and I asked this last time, well, how does it work for you? Well, I feel better for a few days after my session. And then, you know, I need it again. Cool. If that worked for you, do you think that you really need, should need that again? If it truly worked, then why are you here? Sometimes the question that I ask. So there's an element and somebody did say this. Somebody said, right. If uh, somebody commented, our good friend, Barb from New Hampshire commented, you know, like if I want chocolate, you do have to give me chocolate, but perhaps I want to educate you on why chocolate's not always like the best thing. I'll also always ask permission for people. Is it okay if we just have a quick little education moment? Because I don't want to, I also don't want to displace my beliefs on them where they shouldn't be placed. So there's got to be appropriate times for that. If we look at the history of, and we can talk about chiropractic, osteopathy, massage therapy, physical therapy, and the evolution of what practitioners thought they did at one time, particularly in chiropractic, I hear, I see this being talked about a lot right now, and they're trying deeply to change this, right? The, the, the subluxation theory, the terminology of subluxation, you know, and what, what that possibly meant a hundred years ago and how that term's not necessarily the correct way to explain something or what perhaps a chiropractic adjustment truly does versus what was talked about for a long time. There was a lot of magical things that were talked about just like in massage behind, behind an adjustment. And so I think sometimes it's also okay to say that, you know what, these techniques perhaps, you know, don't do this or don't do that, but they can have a profound effect on the body. And going back to what Ben said earlier, why do we discount, you know, the fact that massage is stress relieving? Why do we dismiss the fact that massage can be relaxing or can reduce anxiety or depression? Those two things, particularly the last two that you that you brought up, Ben, stress and anxiety and depression, that's huge. That's really profound. And what a profound effect that is. Stress, anxiety, and depression, if those are inputs to our body, how are they coming out of us? Perhaps in the form of things that we like to talk about, posture, movement, pain. Yeah, I like to think if there wasn't value to what massage does, we wouldn't have a job. I also looked at this question, what does massage do? And I came up with a list of Ben answers, and I'm going to share some of those with you. So these are some, I looked at it from a different point of view because we look at what does massage do? Well, it does this, 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 and this. Well, Here's some of Ben's answers. Massage gives thousands of people the opportunity to have employment and to make money. So it makes massage therapists. That's one thing it does. It allows us to talk about massage and make this podcast. 
That's another thing that massage does. It also gives people a purpose. So people having a job, being in, being a massage therapist, gives us a purpose, reason to get up in the morning. That's another thing it does. It creates jobs in, in the form of massage therapy schools, massage therapy, continuing education, all the companies that print the books that uh, massage schools use to give to their students. So that's another thing that massage does. It creates a field and industry where the amount of learning is almost never ending. You can, you can learn about massage until you, the day you die and you'll still never know it all because the body is just, it's just endless. And I think we already talked on this, but massage just makes people feel better. That's just a short list of what massage does, a Ben perspective. Well, you know, at the end of the day, I think massage does a lot of things. Like Ben said, like Jeremy said, like I talked about a little bit tonight. I think it's okay. I think it's ultimately okay to sort of reduce some of our narratives a little bit and kind of back to our quote, right? Touch is universal, man, and it can be consistent and we don't need to have conflicting stories of what it does. So what's a big takeaway from what we talked about tonight, Jeremy? What's what's one of your big takeaways? I'm going to say it's going to be the quality of touch. Yeah, I think that, that that's what people hunger for. It's what they really look for. And as a result of that, it does bring about stress relieving moments and can help people reduce their anxiety. And yeah, that's my takeaway. Um, one of the things that when I guest speak at a local school here in a massage school, I always lead my talks by saying that touch is a holy thing. And I don't necessarily mean that like a church, like going to church holy, but coming into the presence of another human being is so powerful and can be so moving. That's why we have to have consent. That's why we have to have full integrity when we go into a session. The intention of that touch can be so powerful and so, yeah, there's no other word, just powerful and moving. And so we need to honor them and respect that because people are craving it and they need it. Chapter two of my book is called The Phone Call. Part of that chapter is about thinking about that first phone call that a stranger calls your office. To everybody listening, a stranger calls your office and already trusts you that through the power of your touch, you are somehow going to help them. That is profound. When you really think about that, when you really think about that some stranger is going to come and trust you and pay you money, that they trust you that by the art of touch, you're going to somehow help them. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't forget that at all. It's it's easy to take for granted when you're in it. And when you're in the trenches all day, I think it's pretty powerful. That is huge. That, that therapeutic alliance that is sometimes referred to, you know, gaining people's trust, uh, huge safety, trust, all that stuff. What's a big takeaway for you from what we talked about tonight, Nate? Well, I think what I learned, I think what I learned tonight is that, um, you know, given what we talked about tonight and given the uh, answers from our, from our listeners is that people are, people are, are, are kind of reducing and de deconstructing what, what they, what massage, they thought massage does to really back to that art of listening, the power of touch and the power of, you know, bringing body awareness and just really leaving a lot of that kind of fancy stuff out that gets all those Instagram influencers, millions of views, you know, the guys and gals that put their, I always say their barbecue gloves on and their backwards hat and say something really fancy and sciencey. That's like a turnoff for me in this part of my career. What would be your ideal Instagram influencer video. Well, another quote that's sadly not mine, but good advice doesn't sell and it isn't sexy. Sadly, that's the case. And sadly, a lot of these folks have to, 
you know, put that information out there and just try to sell a big narrative and look really cool and, you know, have the muscly guys and the girls in the tiny outfits. But I am happy to see, I am happy to see some bigger names coming from all industries and starting to put pressure on them to sort of, you know, slow that stuff down. Is it just enough to do good work day in and day out and have people that trust you? Is that enough to get you busy and to keep you busy? Do you need to have a flashy, fancy Instagram influencer account? Two of the busiest massage therapists and body workers I know in town don't even have a Facebook page. And why is that? They're that good. Because they don't need to. They, they don't, don't need, need you. To. They, they're, it's yes. just all referral based. Exactly. That's right. And you always wonder, I always wonder about some of those influencers, you know, do they really have a busy practice? Maybe they do. Well, if they have time to make all these fancy videos, when are they have time to work on people? I don't have time for that. I barely Unless have I time did. for that, right? What is your takeaway, my friend? What is my takeaway? You know, I just, I always have thoughts running through my head and I'm just going to, I'm just going to vomit this out because this came up just now as, as we were talking. Whitney Lowe put out a video describing the difference between different types of massage. So he had one umbrella term that he referred to as, I'm gonna call it like relaxation massage or something like that. And then the umbre other umbrella term was wellness. So he had three terms. He had clinical massage, uh, medical massage, and orthopedic massage were the three that he was talking about. And really what it came down to was there's not really a difference because there's no formal definitions of these. So it really doesn't matter. But anyway, when I think about what we talked about today and what does massage do, how much can you really separate wellness massage from the, the relaxation massage? Because there are aspects of each that are valuable and aspects of each that I think people are looking for. And just because you do an orthopedic evaluation and say, okay, we need to work with, um, I don't know, super spinatus or something like that. Does that mean you can just completely ignore the other aspects of what makes massage a massage? Because people go in expecting certain things. If you go to a chiropractor, you expect some sort of joint manipulation probably. And so if you go see a massage therapist, don't you expect some type of soft tissue manipulation other than just range of motion, stretching, that kind of thing? Because PTs are pretty good at that. Like I said, I'm just kind of throwing these thoughts out and I haven't had a chance to really think about them. Maybe um, you talked me off the ledge the other the other day we had an, an episode together, Nate, and maybe you can um, just kind of sum up what I just said right there. Ooh. <laughs> Sum it up, baby. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think it, um, I, I still think it goes back to what, what we talked about, you know, and, and Jeremy talked about, which is, you know, there is an element of expectation because of what we do. Like you said, you go to a chiropractor, you're going to expect that adjustment. And does the chiropractor start doing other techniques with you? Does the physical therapy start doing soft tissue manipulation after they exercised you? And does the massage therapist do broad generalized techniques after they've done that? You know, there's going to be an expectation of that. So there's, you know, listening, there's give them what they want. And then there's that element of education. And at the end of the day, helping our clients understand how to, how to be better humans. We all want to be better. You know, you brought up the point is that he brings up relaxation massage and then like all the clinical stuff. 
but isn't relaxation kind of medical too? Because we live in such a high stress world, we need that relaxation to take care of our physical and mental health. Like to me, it's just it's all it's all blended as well. So yeah, it, it definitely is, man. I love this. It is Jeremy, and I think that um, I oftentimes when I'm in classes, I'll hear other therapists say, you know, I don't do relaxation and I don't do foofy massage, and it's like, well, why is that a bad thing? You know, and and you know, even even the thought, like think about this too, right? Licensed massage therapist, LMT. I see more and more massage therapists almost not even being like sort of proud of that. And they have to put other letters in front of their name. We practically are, are don't even call ourselves massage therapists anymore. We say manual therapy. I hear more therapists throwing that around or I do this or I do that. And I say, man, be proud, be a proud licensed massage therapist. Be proud of this stuff. Absolutely. I do that type of massage. People come in and ask me if they can relax. And I say, sure, I'm your guy. Put on that Enya, baby. Bust out a couple cucumbers. Chop them up. That's right. A little spray bottle. Yeah. Hey, Jeremy, where can our uh, thousands of viewers find you on social media? I am on Facebook, Active Stretch Therapy. I have two accounts on Instagram, my personal, which you're welcome to follow. It's just about me and my dogs and my life. Uh, JC Stretch is what that is. And then Active Stretch Therapy on Instagram. That's where I do most of my working. And then also activestretchtherapy.com is where my website is. So. And uh, what 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 city are you in in California? My office is located in Old Town, Pasadena. No, it's a little bit away, like 20 minutes from downtown LA. Hey, let's hear it for Jeremy, everybody. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Applause. Thanks for being here tonight. I appreciate and, it. Um, yeah, man. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Ben and Nate's questions that we ask people on the internet. And how can people find us out there? Just go to our Facebook page called Ben and Nate's Questions that we ask people on the internet. Find out the question of the week and interact with us and let us know what you think and submit your own questions. Where else can they listen to us at, Nate? You can watch us on YouTube if you want to watch our episodes. You can also uh, tune into one of your favorite streaming services such as Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for watching. See you next time.